0: So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 36, with Dr. Denise Hersey, President of the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners. and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute. Since 2007, we've been providing education resources and support on the business about being a nurse practitioner. To learn more, please visit us at npbusiness.com and clinicianbusinessinstitute.com. Today, I'm interviewing nurse practitioner Dr. Denise Hersey, She is the current president of the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners. Now, both of us receive a lot of questions about nurse practitioners wanting to open up their own practice in Michigan, and that is not possible. To my knowledge, Michigan is one of the only states that, by law, nurse practitioners cannot own a practice. You'll hear about all the reasons for that and what the law states and doesn't state as we talk more with Denise. Now, currently, MICAP, or the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners, is working to introduce legislation for full practice authority. However, as we'll hear, it's not a straight shot, nor will it be fast. There's that little issue of nurse practitioners not even being recognized in state statute that needs to be managed first. So if you're in Michigan, I highly encourage you to get involved. We all know that it takes works on all of our parts to move things forward. And Denise talks about some of the things that you can do. You know, and as a nurse practitioner, we need to be our own best advocate. So let's go
1: ahead and get started. So, um, you know, Michigan law is very different for nurse practitioners right now. Right now, nurse practitioners do not have scope of practice in statute. Statute is kind of the law. We have a defined scope under the Board of Nursing Rules, but since we're not in statute, um, we are not considered a independent provider. And right now, nurse practitioners practice as a delegated function underneath their RN license. And we cannot practice without having a supervisory, quote unquote, supervisory or collaborative a relationship with a physician. And so, which really limits us in being able to have our own practices mm-hmm. and opening up an LLC or PLLC. We can have an LLC. Under our RN scope, as an RN, but not as an advanced practice provider. So, um, so one of the things that we're hoping is we're gonna we're gonna push forward this year is to get uh, full practice authority and get scope of language in statute, and also allow us to prescribe controlled substances, because that is still delegated to us. We can prescribe non-controlled substances without a collaborative agreement, but we cannot prescribe controlled substances. And so the having full practice and being able to prescribe controlled substances kind of go hand in hand. It allows us to do the full gamut of our role. Mm-hmm. But Michigan also has this law that says that only learned professions can have an LLC. And in Michigan, nurse practitioners are not considered, or nurses even, considered a learned profession. (laughs) Ivy?
0: This always blows my mind when I hear this. Totally. (laughs) I mean, how many degrees do you need to be learned or learned? (laughs) And... Where does that come from is that physician control
1: or attempt at control or this is a very old law and we cannot become a learned profession until we have a scope of practice in the public health code okay so we have to get our scope into the public health code and into statute then we can go and change the law about adding us to, as a learned profession. And once we get that done, then we open up a PLLC or an LLC as a nurse practitioner.
0: So there's a lot of work to be done in order to get to that step. Yeah. So as I mentioned before we started recording, I hear from a lot of nurse practitioners who are trying to sidestep step all of this. Yes. Yeah. And you know with with mm-hmm. telehealth a lot of people want to just practice elsewhere and still be in mm-hmm. Michigan and not understanding that you need to follow scope whatever mm-hmm. that may be in the state you're at as well correct. as the state your patient is at correct but you know one of the things is you know uh, people are saying well I'll just let the physician's name be in, on, in the practice and then I'll own the practice, which is not true and is fraught mm-hmm. with all kinds of legal issues. What else mm-hmm. are you seeing?
1: I mean, what I see with people doing workarounds is they open an LLC, but they call it something that would fall within their RN license.
0: Right. Someone told me about a
1: staffing agency and I'm like... Like a staffing agency. Yeah, you can't do patients with a staffing agency. Exactly. And, you know, so if it ever got audited or they ever got really investigated, they would be liable. They could be shut down instantly. And I think about the patients that these providers serve. And a lot of these providers are serving patients who already have issues with access to care. And you think about all of a sudden, boom, now they've lost their provider and the provider doesn't realize they could lose their license to practice. So, um, I mean, people are doing it. It's a risky business. I don't recommend it, um, or encourage it. I know that a lot of people and a lot of MPs I talk to are getting impatient because it's taken so long to get full practice authority. You know, we're one of the last 11 states in this country to still be restricted. So, um, you know, as on the, you know, the AAMP map, you know, we're still red. Yeah, so are we. We are still red. Yeah. And, you know, and there are states that are yellow. Um, We're getting more and more green states which we want to be green. Um, and, and, you know, I find it in the, the reason that we're still red is because in Michigan still makes nurse practitioners, that classify us as being a supervised profession instead of, of, and if we change that word supervised to collaboration, then we become yellow, but it doesn't mean much. No. Really, the biggest step that, I mean, going from red to yellow is such a small step. It doesn't change a lot of stuff. Um, it's going to green. And that's where we need to be. We need to be full practice. We need to have um, scope and statute. And we need to be able to practice independently to the extent of our training and education.
0: Right. Exactly. And and that's true all over the country. Yeah. So that's a huge step, and a lot of times these things don't happen in huge steps. They don't. What are you anticipating in this next legislative session?
1: We have laid some of the steps out over the last several years. You know, in 2017 is when our last um, attempt, what bill that we took concessions on went into... Effect. And that gave us the ability to prescribe um, non-controlled substances without them being delegated from a physician to order physical therapy, occupational therapy, a lot of those things. What we are hoping with this next step, I mean, really, what all we have left to do is to put our scope into statute, to get it officially in the public health code. And so we are using consensus language um, in our bill to move, to get a scope into statute. Now, will we receive opposition? Of course we are. Um, We will. And we're we're ready for it. But we really don't have any of those little other steps to take until we get into statute.
0: Okay. So that's really the biggest step.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: What is it that nurse practitioners in Michigan can do to be part of this or to move it forward? Yeah,
1: I think a couple of things. One is um, join the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners because we are your advocating body and help um, contribute to our PAC because unfortunately it takes money at the legislative level to move things forward. And um, our opponents have a lot of money and we need to do that. Secondly, talk with your legislators and meet with your legislators and share your stories about how patients care is impacted by them not having access to you. And by you not being able to to, um, do your full scope of your job, Mm -hmm. you know, Talk about the delays patients have in getting things that you can't prescribe them because you need to have a physician sign off on that. Talk to them about how long it takes a patient to get in to see a primary care provider, but also share with them the benefits and the and the what how you have successfully either you know, especially when I think about our acute care nurse practitioners, you know, shorten hospital stay, um, had better out- talk about the outcomes, um, share with them the barriers and how that impacts their constituents, as well as how the successes of w- what an MP can do. My camp has formed what we call our ambassador program, and that's where we have linked. Uh, my camp member with a state legislator and that person's going to be that legislator's key contact. And they will, and these um, ambassadors will be going and meeting with their legislators on a regular basis, providing them information, talking with them, hopefully to be that go-to person. But the more we voice we have, the better it's going to be. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, And I think that's true everywhere. You know yes. we have to advocate for ourselves, but you know also what I have seen is when patients also step up and yes. start talking about their nurse practitioners, yes. that that's important,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so we can also be talking with our
1: our patients. We need to talk with our patients, and we need to get them to write letters, or call, or send you know an email. We have through on our advocacy page for my camp and our page for full practice authority. We have um, draft letters that patients can use, you know, to tweak and to sign. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think physicians, there are physicians out there that are very pro MP and want who are very supportive of us. We need them to be out there and sending letters. And talking as well. So if a nurse practitioner works with a physician who's very supportive of full practice for MPs, get them to send a letter, get them to um, talk to people. And, and I think that um, we need them. We need our legislators to hear from not just us, but from everybody. So, and businesses, so go to your your chambers, go to your um, community agencies and talk to them about access to care and the issues that they see within their community and talk to them and help educate them about what um, nurse practitioners could do for their community and the health care of their um, the people who live in that area and have the chambers write things you know I think there's so many um, people out there that, one, I th- and I think part of the problem is there's people out there that don't understand what a nurse practitioner is yet, still, and yes. what we really can do. And so we need to educate the public, too. So,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I yeah. certainly agree with you. Years ago, I did a, a talk at AAMP called The Secret NP. And uh, we are still a secret in many ways, and that was over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of education that still needs to be done with um, the let me just kind of back up a little bit with the council of nurse practitioners. So Mm -hmm. this is strictly nurse practitioners, because I know another council, um, I think it was Mm -hmm. Minnesota, theirs includes the CRNAs and the midwives (laughs) and. -hmm. Okay, so you're strictly nurse practitioners. We're
1: strictly nurse practitioners. So in Michigan, um, there's the Michigan Association of Nurse Anesthetists, the Michigan Council Nurse Practitioners. There is an Michigan Association of CNS and a separate association for nurse midwives. So we're all now the four of us have come together and formed an alliance, and we meet quarterly, and um, so that we can support each other moving through. Um, uh, the, the, the nurse anesthetists right now have a bill for, um, scope, uh, and, and, full practice in the state. Um, it's made it through, it made it through the house and, um, it is currently sitting in the Senate. So they are moving forward as well. Our goal is to get each of us across and then go for an actual APRN license we would all be licensed and under an APRN license versus being a certified under our RN license. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is um, that's true here in Missouri as well. Having Mm -hmm. that, it says that I can practice as a nurse practitioner because I have that national certification, but it's still, um, under the RN license.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Whereas in Washington, I have two separate licenses as
1: ah, a
0: nurse practitioner mm-hmm. and as, and as an RN. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, and people talk about, well, compact licensing and all that stuff. And I think we're not there. I don't think we can do that yet. There's too many discrepancies across states right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two. And each state really has their own. Um, requirements for what it means to have full practice authority. You know, there are states that um, allow just once you get your degree and you're certified, you can go out and practice. Um, And those are some of the original states that got full practice. And over the last few years, we've seen this quote unquote transition to practice clause put into legislation. And those vary from state to state. And they have... and the thing with transition to practice clauses is there's no evidence that they make a difference. Mm -hmm. There is no evidence that they make a difference in outcomes and that MPs really need a transition to practice to, in order to um, do their job and fulfill their role and provide quality, high quality care to patients um, who need it. So Mm -hmm. I think that, um, we're trying to not have transition to practice in our, we, it's not in our, our right now. So, because the thing is, is Maine, if you look at Maine, Maine is trying to get theirs removed and their fight to get transition to practice taken out is just as bad as it was when they did, went for full practice. Yes.
0: And, you know, the other thing is too, a lot of times what I hear is, oh, I've got full practice. I don't have to worry anymore. But we do have to worry because Mm -hmm. there are people who don't want to see nurse practitioners practice full practice. And we can chip away at that as Mm -hmm. well. And yeah, leaving Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff out to begin with, if you can, is a good idea. And I also realize that sometimes it's that give and take those concessions that you make That's to get right. other steps. Yes,
1: you're absolutely right. We, there are potentially concessions you have to make to move forward. Um, and you know, it's, it's all part of that negotiating political process. <laughs> That's, you That's know, a process. Uh, <laughs> it's a lovely process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, and the thing is, is you're going to get opposition. We know there's going to be opposition. Um, We knew that we're going to have to counter it. The thing that we're seeing, though, especially with the CRNA bill to have gone through first, their arguments haven't changed over the last 10 years. Uh They still state the same rhetoric and we can counteract that with more and more evidence. Sometimes it
0: seems that it's really not even about the evidence because there is overwhelming evidence. Mm -hmm. And it's um, I I don't know if it's maybe fear, fear of change, Mm -hmm. uh, fear of giving up power
1: Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, because it's not patient outcomes. It's not patient outcomes. It is. I think it is a fear. I think it's a fear. I think it is part of its power. I, I mean, they went so far in this state the last time to try and say that we could not use the word diagnose. And they wanted to um, title protect the word doctor. And it was like, um, you know, you can't title protect the word doctor. And if you use Europe as an example, there everybody, the physician, they're called physicians or GPs. You know, people with PhDs are called doctors. And so you you can't, it's, what is your role? I'm a nurse practitioner. Yeah, I may have a PhD, but I tell my patients, I'm a nurse practitioner. And even patients that may call me Dr. Hershey, I'll say, you know, I'm a nurse practitioner. Oh yeah, I know. But you have to also have that other degree. I can call you doctor. I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure you understand that I'm not, a medical doctor and they're like, Oh, we know that. And so I think that's the other thing. I think there's been this with the movement of the DMP, there's been this fear from physicians that patients are going to think that a nurse practitioner, cause they're called doctor are equivalent to an MD who's called doctor or a DO who's called doctor. It's all about how we educate and talk to our patients. I think one of the key things that we cannot do is misrepresent ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: I I yeah. really agree in this whole thing about calling people doctor. My patients used to do that all the time. Yeah. All the time. time. And yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But you're my doctor. So mm-hmm. they're, they're not confused about nurse practitioners being physicians. Mm-hmm they know their nurse practitioner is a nurse practitioner just by virtue of the things that we do and how, and that we talk with them, you know, that's one of our strengths and that isn't always the case with physicians. I'm not saying it isn't because obviously you can't make that kind of generalization, but it is a hallmark of what we do that we Mm -hmm. communicate with our patients that we look at them holistically
1: Yes. that's what Yeah, I, mean. I agree. Yeah. We, we approach our patients from a totally different perspective, from a different philosophical background. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you think about the holistic nature of nursing, when we were taught in our undergrads, the whole, you know, about looking at the whole person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying physicians don't necessarily do that, but they are very trained under looking at the symptom. Mm -hmm. the more symptom model and, um, looking at what are the different things that impact the symptom versus looking at the patient as a whole. And, um, you know, and we do talk to our patients a lot more Mm -hmm. and they don't, and they don't get that (laughs) sometimes. So, and, and, and we really partner with our patients I feel like I partner with my patient and I feel like I work with them on a one-to-one basis to meet their healthcare goals. And I want to state it's their healthcare goals. It's not my healthcare goals for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, If it, because if it was yours, but you know, if I was your patient and you told me what your goals are, it's like, well, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. my goals are something completely different. Yes. Yeah. 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 So with the nurse practitioners, bringing it back around to business mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Nurse practitioners that are doing these workarounds, would you say that it's a large amount of them
1: or? It's a handful. Okay. I would say there's not a majority. I would say it's more of, you know, I know of Three or four or five. I mean, there may be, and and a lot of them are in, some of them are in more underserved rural areas or inner city areas where there's um, not a lot of access to care. You know, where there's a lot more underserved population, mm-hmm. and so um, you don't see a lot of them, but they're out there, and and I get. I'll tell you as president of the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners, I get emails from people. How can I open my own practice? So people are wanting to do it. Yes, they are. They're 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 really in, you know, they're really trying to figure out how to do it. And they don't want to keep feeling like they can't do it. Um, you know, I found it interesting. I, I got an email from uh MP not too long ago who was looking to open up a practice in a very rural part of our state. And she was getting denied. She had found a collaborator, but she was getting denied by an insurance company to be able to par with them. And it, and it had to do with the location of her collaborator was not in the area or close area. And I think really what it came down to is I don't think he parred with them. So if he's not a provider with them, you can't be a provider with them. And helping people understand those idiosyncrasies of how not having full practice can impact your ability to par with an insurance company or, um, provide, you know, care to people at a certain level. It's, it's, they don't helping nurse practitioners understand how, um, when you par, your collaborator also has to par. Yeah. Well,
0: and that's not in all states, but that's true apparently in Michigan,
1: correct? In some, in yeah. some for some insurances, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that I see is I get calls from nurse practitioners who have actually talked with a healthcare attorney who said, yes, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so it's there when we talk about educating the people around us. We also need to be educating the attorneys who don't understand nurse practitioners or nurse practitioner law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can't assume that all attorneys do. I mean, when I, the very first practice I started now it was in Washington state, Mm -hmm. full practice, beautiful place to practice in terms of scope. And the only in the little town that I was this county of just 60,000 mm-hmm. um, the only person who owned some of the office buildings that would be appropriate happened to be an attorney
1: <laughs> oh funny
0: and that attorney kept saying you can't do this you're a nurse you can't do this and so he didn't understand nurse practitioners and, and the role no. that we have. And mm-hmm. so we can't assume that another professional, even though they're a healthcare attorney, understand it. Um, heck, we don't always understand it, as is
1: seen we by some don't. of the questions
0: that you get, that I get, on
1: on just the business aspect anyway. Yes. I mean, I think... Yeah, you're right. I think it's not the attorneys, not all the attorneys understand it. Not all the MPs understand it. Um, physicians don't understand it. <laughs> my mother sometimes doesn't even understand it. She's like, will you explain to me again what it is you do? And, you know, it took me years to get her to see that, what, how I, what I can do and how, what my role is. And, um, and, you know, we have not. I would have to say one of the things we have not done a good enough job at is educating the public um, about our role and who we are and what we do. My patients know, you know, but that's a finite number. So,
0: right, yeah, it's it's your patients, not My patients. all the healthcare consumers in no. the state of Michigan. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. All, millions and millions of us that are and even the so, country.
1: I know. And even I still get patients, new patients. Sometimes I get to come in to see me and they're like, now what is it you can do as a nurse practitioner? How does this work? Do I, when do I have to see a physician? Well, I, you know, they don't understand, you know, so I have to educate patients on a regular basis.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. We, we do, because people don't. Either that or, you know, I got asked this not too long ago. Well, now, are you going to go back to school to become a doctor? Oh, my God, yeah. So we we still get that as well. Yes, we do. And, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of
1: I re- education. I remember when I was getting my Ph.D. and I was working on one of my patients. that Oh, so you going back to school to become a doctor? And I'm like no, I'm getting my PhD in nursing that I'm already a nurse practitioner. I'm not going back to medical school. And they're like, what, it only should only take you what another year maybe. And you can, and uh, they don't understand that the, there's a divergence between the two in a sense, even though we do a lot of the same things and we do, um, you know in the in an office setting you don't see much difference between an np and a physician no the patients don't the patients do not see right. that no yeah. no yeah so they get confused yeah
0: yeah and and we do a good job of confusing patients and, and the healthcare system
1: does a good job of that we do i um keep saying that you need to who is your primary care provider? Who is your primary care practitioner? You know, is it a physician or an MP? They both can provide primary care services. They both can provide services to you in a specialty setting or in a hospital setting. I really think we have to get away from who is your family doctor to who is your PCP.
0: Yes, that's a whole nother bag of worms. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that needs to go. It does have to be provider. And I know that yeah. I hear a lot of rumblings mm-hmm. sometimes from physicians who don't like that terminology. Mm-hmm. But it can be any of us, including yes. a PA. Yes. And then if you look in different communities, that might also be a naturopathic doctor. It might be a traditional Chinese medicine Um, Mm -hmm. provider. So there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of people who can act depending on location as a PCP.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, some people go to a holistic provider. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So, so it is, it is confusing, but now Mm -hmm. nurse practitioners, though, we know what we do. We need to educate to others yeah. I would say to anybody listening who's in Michigan contact the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners mm-hmm. because you've got to get into statute. It sounds like mm-hmm. nothing can happen till that
1: happens. No. No. We cannot move anything else forward until we get ourselves into statute and in officially in get a scope defined in the public health code. And, you know, and people are like, well, why can't we get the LLC thing done at the same time? I'm like, well, because those are two different, those are other bills. And those bills are dependent upon us having scope in the statute.
0: Sometimes we get tired of having to take that little baby step. I know. And we don't always understand. And and I get it because I am not always the most patient person myself. Yep. But... And, you know, nurse practitioners being 50 years plus old, we should have been further by now. But yes, I don't think we've always been organized well enough to meet the challenges that we have to in the law.
1: I don't think we have either. I mean, when you look at, you know, the nurse practitioner movement started back in the 60s um, when Loretta Ford started the first program. And it was very pediatric focused. It was very rural focused. It was, you know, and it really has expanded from there. And I don't think we've had the numbers like we have now. Right. I think, you know, I remember um, when I first decided to go back to, to get my degree um, and I was looking at different get a a master's or advanced degree. And I was looking at different programs, not sure what I want to do. And a colleague said, well, Denise, why don't you look at the nurse practitioner program? I'm like, well, what's a nurse practitioner? I mean, this was in the early nineties. This was the late eighties, early nineties. I'm like, well, what's a nurse practitioner. And she was telling me, well, I'm in this program that I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. So I went into the nurse practitioner program and learned about it. And so, and um, it's like that was only you know that was in the night- that was thirty years ago, so we really are still moving forward and then after that, you started after I got out, it seemed like we had this boom in enrollment in nurse practitioner programs and this jump in the number of programs across the country and so um, and we're not all united, and now we have this diversity amongst. All, you know, we have primary care. We have an acute care. We have a lot of specialty. And I think of helping people understand that as well, because people, a lot of physicians think that we're educated like they were as a generalist. They don't understand that we got our generalist training in our bachelor's program. We get our specialty training in our NP program. I went and did family practice. I have colleagues who did, you know, gerontology or adult or pediatrics or women's health. And we get our specialty training in our degree, in our advanced practice programs. And which sets which is different. It is they different. Get this, yeah.
0: And and I I feel personally just because of the number of NPs that come to me that mm-hmm. want to do, maybe they want to do family care, but they're certified as a pediatric. I really do <laughs> think that we need to have that one basic, with an add-on for a specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do. I mean, I started out as a GMP. Now I was a certificate program, so I'm back there yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. And and when I got out, I. I thought my license in Washington it was ARNP at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought it meant adult registered nurse practitioner. Ah. So I didn't really understand the role very well. Yeah. but um, the the program was was fantastic in terms of skill and, mm-hmm. and knowledge and mm-hmm. stuff, but I didn't understand that role, but, but I ended up having to go back to school because yeah. it was too limited. Mm -hmm. in terms of who I could see Mm -hmm. and I you know that's an educational issue I would love to see addressed sometime probably in the future um, so that so many NPs aren't stuck or feeling stuck oh I can't
1: see adults I can't see
0: children I
1: can't do these things (laughs) You know, I think that's I think part of it is I don't I'm not sure if we do a good enough pro um, job explaining the role and the policies and the function and all of the um, behind the scenes that aren't related to patient care, direct patient care to our students I find a lot of students, a lot of the questions I sometimes see and get are from new graduates because their program didn't explain it to them. And so they are, they're oblivious to how do I even get certified? How do, what can I do? What can I do? And, um, you know, so I mean, some of the blame about that is our educational system. We don't do a good job Teaching our students about those things sometimes.
0: So again, that would be that role transition, but not yes. what you were, we were talking about earlier as no. far as practice, but just no. Um, what I like to say, the business of being a nurse practitioner. The
1: business of being a nurse practitioner. We do not do a good job of teaching that in our programs. Yeah, you know, we don't do a good job about um, explaining to them about. Uh, what it is you can and can't do once you graduate, what is your business? What is your, your role? And, um, you know, and I think we went through a period I, and I, it's getting tighter, but we went through a period of time where people did practice outside of their scope of training because they could, they, but now with it's more and more, You don't want to be. You're too liable if you practice out of your scope of training. They don't understand that um, risk you're taking if you're an adult person and you're seeing children. Yeah, that's the risk that the liability that you're encountering is really high. Not just for you, but for your employer in a sense because it's all delegated. So, yeah.
0: Right. And just because it's delegated doesn't mean that we can do that.
1: That's right. That's right. And employers are starting to understand. Um, I had a conversation with someone not too long ago. They were in Wyoming and, you know, Wyoming as a lot of their FMPs who are primary care trained, also work in their acute care hospital as hospitalists. You can't. You're not an acute care nurse practitioner. You with you should go back to a um, postgraduate certificate program and get that training. And people don't necessarily want to do that, but yeah,
0: yeah. When once you're done with school, sometimes you just. <laughs> Don't want to do that. You do. Program. I know.
1: It's interesting. We'll get um, things sent to the college for verification of credentials for our new grads, and they want you. You know, and these students are applying for a job that's not what we educated them for, and we say we cannot verify. We can verify that they graduate from a primary care program, but I cannot verify that they have the skills and knowledge to practice within the setting that you are asking them to do. You know, that's, yeah. that's, they got to go on and get more training and education. So, yeah.
0: And I think some of that is, is that, and this is what I see as well. Scopes have changed. Yes. Over or not, the scope the scope has not changed. That's the problem, but healthcare has changed, and the things healthcare. that people yes. can do and mm-hmm. the things that are available to people um, mm-hmm. is not necessarily was never considered as part of the scope because it didn't exist. I mean, right. you mentioned acute care nurse practitioners. I spent yeah. the bulk of my RN years in critical care, and. Yeah. I would have loved to have done that. There was no program for acute no, care not practitioners at no. the time. So if I had done FNP, building on those skills, I mm-hmm. would now be stuck because I didn't do an acute program right. because there wasn't one.
1: There wasn't one. You're right. Because when, when MPs first came out, we were primary care based, We were outpatient yeah. based, And then they all of a sudden started seeing roles for us within the acute care setting. And they started seeing roles for us in different ways. And so, yeah, can you be grandfathered in? Can you say if you did it for years and that you've been, you know, that you're grandfathered in potentially, um, but as a new grad, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend it. And you're right. It wasn't an option. I mean, I same, I mean, I did family, um, because, At the time, it was the most flexible. It allowed you to do other things if you wanted to. Now we're seeing that it's really still, you know, getting more defined. But I think about, um, you know, years ago, and um, this is going to be a physician uh, kind of example, but when family physicians delivered babies, they did minor surgery I mean surgeries. I had my tonsils taken out by my fi- family pr- physician. You know, they did appendectomies. They did those kind of things. Right. They don't do that anymore. And, they, and most of them don't even admit to the hospital anymore. They their patients get admitted by a hospitalist service. Exactly. So they don't do that. So even the physician role is becoming more specialized. And so same is the nurse practitioner role is the same way moving within that model so mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: that yeah. that's very true that's very true and mm-hmm. staying within that educational um yes lane that we were mm-hmm. trained in yes um and going and starting a business i think is when you are able to start a business yes. I, I think is really important because yeah. we are starting to see Um, practice creep in Mm -hmm. terms of what people are adding to their practice. And I think we have Mm -hmm. to be very careful because one of the things that I really like to get people to understand is, especially those with their own practices, Mm -hmm. people are watching. Yes. People are watching. And I personally have been contacted Mm -hmm. by members of the National Council of Boards of Nursing
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Asking about this kind of thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: asking about ethics, asking yes. about what people are doing in these practices. Mm-hmm. So as we step out more, as we get full practice, mm-hmm. as eventually Michigan will, yeah. eventually yes. Missouri will, and everybody yes. across the United States will eventually have full practice, whatever yes. that might mean. Right. But we need to be very mindful of
1: what it is we're doing, what our education is, what our yes. scopes are. And, and we need because people are watching. Yes. And, you know, physicians are watching. Yeah. And if they start seeing MPs um, creeping out beyond their training, that could u- be used against us and prevent us from moving forward, with full practice authority. Yeah. And so we do have to be very careful. Um, there and, and not just for that, but for your own professional liability issues and you don't want to practice outside of your scope. You know, I do some consulting work, metal, you know, ex, um, expert witness work and, um, e- it's that outside of your scope that really gets you in trouble.
0: We have been warned. hmm Yeah. So, Denise, I really appreciate you being here on the podcast today. What would you like to say
1: that I haven't asked you? I think we all need to be proactive for our profession. We all need to be out there, um, promoting nurse practitioners, educating the public about nurse practitioners. I think when it comes to, to the business side of nurse, to being a nurse practitioner, um, do your homework, look at the laws, see what you can do, see how things work within um, the legal realm. You don't want to put yourself at risk. Um, I think we will get there. Um, it's, it's a time thing. Politics doesn't move very quickly. <laughs> it's, it's a legis- it's, you're at the mercy of others. But get out there and talk to your legislators. Help them understand why it's important for us to have full practice. Why it's important to allow us to open up our own businesses. Help get them on our side to help move things forward.
0: Excellent. And I am going Mm -hmm. to, for everyone listening, I will have all the links um, over at the show notes at npbusiness.com. So thank you so much, Denise. I appreciate it. Thank you,
1: Barbara. Thank you.
0: I want to thank Denise today for taking time out for sharing with us what is going on in Michigan. Obviously, as I said earlier, it's going to take some work and time to move Michigan forward to becoming a green state. They do need your support, all of our support. So make sure that you head on over to micnp.org and get involved. We'll also have that link on the show notes at npbusiness.com forward slash mycap, M-I-C-N P. I appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast today and to share it with your colleagues. The more of us that have this information, the better and more successful we'll all be. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.